0: Hello, and welcome to episode number four of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes. I'm trying to cover the most pressing behavior challenges. If you have a topic you'd like me to talk about on the podcast, please tag me on Instagram, at a good feeling underscore NCO, or you could also tag me on Facebook at a good feeling dog training and let me know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Today, I am going to talk about recalls. Recalls means coming when you call the dog, right? So a fluffy come is what recall means. When I'm thinking about recalls, I'm going to first come up with a, a cue, I have two recall cues for my dogs. One is just their name, and that's a fairly casual recall. I want your attention, but maybe it's not super urgent. And then I also have an urgent recall cue, which is their name followed by come, and that means show up as fast as you can. And I think by having two cues, you do a better job of not overusing one or the other. I say my dog's names a lot, so just their name isn't really a good recall cue because I think it's just kind of old news. But when I say come, my dogs know what's up and they run towards me. So once you've decided on an urgent recall cue, then it's time to start training. So we're going to use management. To start training so I'm going to train in an environment where I know the dog can be successful first so a very unexciting low distraction environment so for a lot of dogs that's inside so if I am inside and I'm going to start working on my recall cue I'm going to make sure to have high value treats ready for this training session A recall could arguably save your dog's life, so don't be cheap, pay well. I know we've talked about high-value treats in a previous episode, but I kind of want to just give you some of my recommendations for high-value treats that I've been using. Cheese is a really good one, string cheese, cheddar cheese, it doesn't really matter. Hot dogs, cooked chicken, roast beef, steak. I mean, really, the sky is the limit. I've used bacon with Waylon before. Um, We did a couple of seminars, agility seminars, in new places that I knew he was really going to be distracted. Oh, you best believe I was cooking bacon the night before to make sure that I had the best value treat so hopefully he could choose me in the environment. He did. But anyways, you could also use something lickable as a high-value treat. So think Easy Cheese... Um, I have a travel shampoo bottle that I often fill up with good stuff to let the dog lick as a high-value treat. I did goat cheese recently, and that worked out pretty well in the shampoo bottle. You could puree chicken. I mean, really, the more disgusting to us, the more delicious to the dog. So make sure that you have high-value treats for this. You're in a low-distracting environment, and you have high-value treats, and you've decided what you want your urgent recall cue to be. First of all, I'm going to say my urgent recall cue. I'm gonna say, Waylon, come. As soon as he looks in my direction, I'm going to mark yes, and then I'm gonna wait for him to come to me, and I'm going to give him a jackpot. If you don't know what a jackpot is, that is just multiple treats, one right after another. So I say, Waylon, come. He looks at me, I mark yes, and I feed, 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 feed. After I'm done with my jackpot, I'm going to say my release word, okay, and then I'm going to ignore the dog. I'm going to do tons and tons of repetition of this very exercise daily Probably, I would do, I mean seriously, the sky's the limit. If you could do 20 times, I would do 20 times. But you know, best case scenario, you do this five times a day. And once the dog is really quickly responding to the cue, then you can start to increase the difficulty and the distractions in the environment. Once the dog is successful inside and they are consistently responding when you say their urgent recall cue, Then you can look at what is another environment that I could train in that maybe isn't super distracting, but is maybe a little bit more distracting than inside. So for some dogs, that may be the backyard. Um, For some dogs, that may be the driveway. Uh, For some dogs, that may be an empty park. So you have to know your dog because if the backyard is going to be too distracting, it's probably not a good second step in the series of events for training a recall. Once you've decided on a slightly more distracting training environment, you're going to do the same series of events, except for this time, you're going to be very careful about timing. So if my dog's nose is down, I am not going to say my urgent recall cue. But if my dog's nose is up, and they're just kind of standing there doing nothing, that is a really good time to say the urgent recall cue. So again, I will say, Waylon, come, his head turns, he looks at me, I mark yes, I wait till he shows up, I give him a jackpot, and then I release him. Again, I'm going to do tons and tons of repetitions of recalls in my slightly more distracting environment. When my dog is consistently responding, then, again, I'm going to look at what is a slightly more distracting environment I can take the dog to. In the short term, I would not be taking the dog off-leash to places if I do not think that the dog is going to come when I call them. If you have not invested in a long leash, I would definitely do so. It is not a retractable leash. It's just a flat, long leash. You can get tons of different sizes, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 feet. I would definitely invest in one of those because that's a wonderful way to manage the dog while you're still working on getting them to respond consistently to their recall cue. So I am in a slightly more distracting environment. And again, I am very cautious about timing. I am not going to be calling the dog if they are actively distracted by something. This is only in the initial stages of training, and all of this is working towards being able to call the dog no matter what, but you can't start from basic math and go to advanced algebra in one day. So, take it easy on your dog and give yourself plenty of time to be working up the reinforcement history for coming when called. I used the long leash a ton with Waylon when he was young and I was training recalls. Waylon is a very confident dog who does not need me as a safety net, so that made it very difficult in his early days to keep him near me. If he would be completely off-leash, the chances of him coming when I called him were very, very low. So, to prevent myself from getting frustrated and to prevent him from being in dangerous situations, I used the long leash. I did tons and tons of reinforcing for responding to Wayland come in tons and tons of different environments. I went to a lot of parks when there weren't a lot of other people or dogs there to work on recalls. Then when he was sufficient there, I went to more populated parks to practice. I practiced in several different training centers. Uh, We went on a road trip, so we had lots of opportunities to practice recalls there too. So Waylon has probably gotten, I mean, probably close to a million rewards for recalls at this point. Tifa's almost 12, so I can't imagine how many food rewards she's earned for coming when called, but I'll tell you what, it is a lot. So now that my dog is consistently coming when they are on the long leash in lots of different environments, then I'm going to start to let the long leash drag instead of holding it. So I still have the safety net if I could step on the leash and reel the dog in if it was necessary, but I'm starting to give them a little bit more privilege and opportunity to explore so I can kind of test some of the response to the recall. One warning with the long leash, be careful to not let it get caught around your legs or arms. It will definitely give you a gnarly rope burn. So the long leash does not come out without a little bit of imminent danger. So be really, really cautious. Make sure that if you are using the long leash, the dog should be wearing a harness I do not want the long leash attached to a collar because of the risk of damage to the dog's neck if they get running and get to the end of the long leash. So be super careful about that. You may even wear gloves when you're working with the long leash just as an extra precaution and definitely keep your wits about you because if the dog starts getting a run in and they're about to be to the end of the leash, you want to make sure that you're leaning back and bracing yourself for some of that uh, force. Something else that I'm definitely re reinforcing for that isn't necessarily a recall is what I call an auto check-in. So the dog is on the, the long leash, they're wandering around, I haven't said a single word and the dog comes and looks at me and is kind of checking in. I am going to consistently mark yes and reward for those choices because the more value you can build in being near you, the more hope you have of keeping the dog close when the distraction level goes up. There are definitely some other things that you have to be cautious of, wildlife, if you have a dog who loves squirrels or bunnies or geese, you're definitely going to have to be cautious about that. Um, Waylon doesn't really care about squirrels, bunnies not so much, geese not so much, deer, he definitely cares about deer. So if I'm going to be hiking somewhere that there are likely going to be deer, I still use the long leash as management so that I don't have him running off chasing deer. Not only is that dangerous for him and a nuisance to the poor deer, but it's also a bad rehearsal of definitely have to know your dog and use precautions based on that. I know it sounds really easy, right, when I just spell it out in this, like, 15-minute podcast, but reinforcement history takes time to build. Waylon just recently turned two, and he just recently started getting more privileges to be completely off-leash because he is consistently responding to his recall cue. It has not always been pretty, but, you know, it takes time, so make sure that you're using high, high high-value treats. Make sure you're setting up training environments so that your learner can be successful and trust the process. It will pay off. A side note on that. Um, Tiba, while she responds to her recall cue 95% of the time, dogs are not robots. So we can't really expect them to come when called 100% of the time. If you follow us on social media, uh, you probably saw the really sad dog picture from over the summer. Uh, We were hiking and the dogs were messing around in a bush, which they do because they're dogs. Sadly, they both came out and they had um, gotten into it with a porcupine. Yeah, poor Waylon, he got it really bad. He tried to bite and paw at it, so not only did he have quills inside of his mouth, but he also had quills in his paw. It was a long couple miles back to the car. Tiva just got in on a little piece of the action. She had like 10 quills in her nose, so those are pretty easy to get out. But thanks to the lovely folks at Wheat Ridge Animal Hospital, they sedated Waylon and got most of the quills out. There were still quills left, so it's probably like a good four weeks after the fact that I was still pulling out quills. Not super enjoyable for either of us, but thankfully we survived it. Um, I will say that when they came out of the bushes and I called them, they did come. So, you know, I got to give them a little credit there. Lots of people will say that dogs don't learn from their mistakes, but I think in Wayland's case, there was a pretty direct behavior consequence. Paw at the porcupine, get quilled. I will say he's much more cautious in the bushes these days, so that's good. Um, While I really like for my dogs to be off-leash, I'm always looking at the specific environment that I'm in. And if I'm not confident that the dogs are going to be able to come away from distracting things. I'm not giving them the privilege of being off-leash, so that's definitely something you have to use your own judgment and be really careful and cautious about. But with that said, when I'm somewhere that I feel comfortable that there's not going to be any distractions that I can't call the dogs off of, they're getting a ton of off-leash. My dogs get to be off-leash almost daily, so... It, that did not come, out, come without a lot of hard work and training, but that is the point that you can get your dog. Those are the basics of how to manage and then train a recall and my suggestions on doing so. I hope you found this helpful. If you did find this episode helpful please leave a review on itunes i love to see your feedback and what you appreciated about it if you are training recalls with your dog please take video and tag me on the social media instagram or a good feeling dog training i love to see people taking my advice and using it in training sessions thank you so much for tuning in to disorderly dogs the podcast I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good underscore NCO. You can also find us on Facebook at a good dog training as well as our website, AGF dogtraining.com